We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And furthermore, we thank the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. As we live, work, surf, and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit, and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resilience in the face of ongoing oppression and injustice. We believe that for true healing to occur, we must reflect and make serious changes while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better. We can do better. Aloha, freshies. Welcome to Permastoked. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoked individuals, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join us each week in learning from these experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is presented by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear. But hey, don't just stand around on the beach looking cool. Check out our Stoke Academy and try surfing and stand-up paddleboarding. Get away into beautiful Owen Sound, Sauble Beach, or Grey Bruce, where we offer Paddle Canada certified basic and advanced subcourses, tours, sub-surfing, and even beginner surfing lessons. Visit www.freshwatersurfgoods.com to sign up for your freshwater fantasy today. Want to get your zen on? Check out SUP Yoga and our Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation, and Healing classes. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony. Through movement, meditation, and breath, our classes allow you to connect with your true self so you can spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. Enjoy community and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. Second wave, the Wasegas are Canada's original surf punk instrumentalists and they existed from 1979 to 1982. They were groovy teenagers living far from the West Coast. They played with many new wave and punk bands, confusing audiences everywhere. 
It wasn't easy playing surf instrumental music when clubs wanted Black Sabbath, Black Flag, or any band wearing black clothes with vocals. They did, however, manage to align with some other young bands around town, lives like The Turning Point, Larry's Hideaway, Cabana Room, just to name a few. They also managed to record seven original songs which appeared on several compilations distributed around the world. Back with a vengeance as they reunited in 2014 for several shows with all original members, that's 32 years later. The future promises to be interesting for these retrofitted Bottegas. They signed with the UK's Sharawaji Records and released three full-length LPs, Return of the Wasegas and Crash Monster and now Dance Party A Go-Go, which has also reached number one in the chart. Now a staple on the Canadian rockabilly surf scene. Surfs up again for Mark Malibu and the Wasegas. You might also know Mark Malibu and the Wasegas as the artist that produces our intro and outro songs. So it's a lot to me to have Mark on the show. He's been such a big supporter of mine as I'm such a fan of his music. I first discovered him podcast that I listened to out of Vancouver. Um, but anyway, pay attention. Great episode up ahead. Uh, this episode in 2021 and may contain coarse language. Mark Sanders, otherwise known as Mark Malibu from Mark Malibu and the Wasagas. Welcome to Permastoke, dude. How's it going, man? Very happy to be here. It's nice to be on your show. You know, when you reached out to me a couple of years ago, you said you did doing a podcast and you wanted some music. I said, by all means. So it's nice when you actually see the, the podcast come to fruition and be something real. And I've watched a bunch of the podcasts now, and I think anyone in the surfing community would really dig them. So congratulations on having a great show. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. That means a lot to me and your support from the very beginning. Uh, I reached out to you while I was still on the West Coast, really had no idea how the show would be received. And now here I am about six months later, we got over 5,000 hits and wow. it's just going really well. And that Hey Chihuahua at the beginning of the show gets everybody kind of pumped up and in the spirit. It's our anthem. And, you know, it's funny because I, when I wrote that song, I, I wanted a song that people could automatically remember, automatically sing around along with, because I think we've all been at those shows where there's another band playing a song. They go, this is a sing-along section. And they have this really elaborate set of instructions and the crowd never gets into it because it's difficult. Yeah, I thought I'm just dishing out two words, hey and chihuahua, which is a fun word to say. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of we put it at the end of our set and and we have a lot of fun. There's things we sometimes do in the middle of the song that gets a good laugh. So yeah. I'm glad you're using hey chihuahua. We will have a music video for it coming out soon. Mm. It'll be a, a combination of the band playing along with a real chihuahua in a lot of different costumes and animation like Hanna-Barbera style animation, so it should be fun. Excellent. So I have seen these animations. For example, you have the COVID um, video. Yeah, The what happens is that the artwork on the album is done uh, by a uh, artist, cartoonist out in Winnipeg. 
Okay. And I told him, don't just send me the file for the album. Keep it on separate layers because I might try and do some posters or something with it. Yep. But when the lockdown happened, I found myself with like two albums I was trying to sell and no way of getting a band in a, a place to do a video. Oh, yeah. So I took the characters from the artwork he created. I thought, I wonder if I can animate these. And I'm not an animator. I work okay. in the film business. I have worked in animation, but in the sound side of it. But you're, I've been close enough to it to understand that there's walk cycles and you got to break arms and legs off and, and have okay. props and build things. So I thought, I'm going to give this a go. So I oh. went downstairs into my basement and I made a the video for the first song, uh, you know, the monster song, which came out afterwards. But it took six weeks wow sorry four weeks it took four weeks and they weren't short days they were i was going down first thing in the morning and finishing really night. <laughs> i was like a mad scientist in the basement wow and what happens is you get so far in you don't want to abandon it because it's yeah. time so i finally finished it and i got it done and i had all these elements and then suddenly with the lockdown and people saying, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not doing this. I thought, if I can just do a little PSA with those same pieces, it, it might be quick and it might be fun. And we did, I did a PSA, got tons of hits. It was all over Facebook and it kind of, I wouldn't say it went viral, but it was kind of semi micro vinyl, viral. Yeah. And you know what was weird is I never really thought it was a political statement, but mm -hmm. some of the uh, U.S. Um, bloggers and and radio DJs for surf music said, "Wow, you took a real stand there." Oh, really? And and I didn't think about. It. I come from a family of scientists, so okay. just like avoiding viruses and wearing masks and taking yeah. vaccines is what you do to survive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to revisit the video and see what was so. Uh controversial or wow because I, I guess they were having a fight down there over freedom whether you wear a mask or not yeah there's the anti-vacciners and whatnot yeah i don't know i wish i wish we could just all anyway it is yeah. what it is surf so, music is supposed to be uh, political it's supposed to be about fun yeah absolutely but i but that animation element that brings a whole lot of fun with it and i mean we're talking that's just like 2d animation that's not even I mean, that was sort of like entire bodies moving, legs and arms moving, but not so. And it still was that much work. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It was it's really hard because you have to do every single movement on every mm -hmm. frame, you know, and I would go, OK, I need a beach. So I would paint on a bit of paper and make it look like sand. And then I would get some sky and I would paint that in and I, oh, I need wow. a cloud. So I got to draw a cloud and what else? Oh, okay. I need palm trees. Okay. So, I, and I'm not a, a an artist. A yeah, wow. I can barely sign my name. <laughs> but I was drawing these things and cleaning them up in Photoshop and, and wow. I got better as I went along. So I had to go back and fix the things I did in the beginning. Um, so I don't know. It just, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it, it's a little different. And it's, you know, my love of Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I love Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones, you know, and all those things, the Impossibles, Adam Ant, Wacky yeah. Reaches, you know, so. Did you watch the newest Scooby-Doo movie just called Scoob? 
No, because that was 3D done down to 2D, right? Yeah, and they're trying to sort of relaunch the Hanna-Barbera universe, if you will. I thought it was an interesting attempt, like, to bring that to today's generation. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm a huge Bugs Bunny fan. And honestly, I don't think I'd want to see, I mean, I'd watch a 3D Bugs Bunny movie, sure, but the artists though chuck with chuck jones and them like jones, yeah those those are famous yeah guys. those designs mean things to people mm-hmm. and you'll see that when they did the snoopy movie recently they did it 3d yeah now i think i think it's netflix or amazon has a peanuts cartoon coming out all new stories right okay. they've gone back to the original wow. carl schultz designs which are classic you can't yeah you know, so I think you got to, you, you can move forward, but you can't go too far away from what made something uh, special, you know, and that, and that applies to surf music too. But, but as far as, you know, animation, those characters that they built for Scooby-Doo, those characters they built for Peanuts, you know, Bugs Bunny, they're classic and there's a reason why they're perfect, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I get the idea of wanting to update them and make them a little kind of video gamey because that's what, yeah. but I think the classic, um, the classic styles are really what's going to give something life. Yeah. I have a four-year-old nephew and he was watching Paw Patrol at, and I thought, I believe it was Thanksgiving or something. He was watching Paw Patrol and I'm thinking, oh, if I pop on a Bugs Bunny cartoon, I'm sure he'll love it. He likes Paw Patrol. He couldn't have cared less. Like he was not into it. And I'm thinking, what is the big deal? It's just little cartoony people on screen. I mean, I remember being a kid being entertained by sitcoms that were way above, you know, our intellectual level. But you just sort of got into it. Um, So it's kind of interesting watching kids. They're, they're like choosers now, you know? They have so many choices. They they do. Uh, yeah. But you know what? Sometimes they, they like things, you know? I, when my daughter was small, she liked Scooby-Doo. Mm. And she's 21 now. She liked Scooby-Doo, and she liked the Flintstones. Okay. But I couldn't get her into the Brady Bunch because it was too corny for her. Oh, yeah. You know? So you kind of have to try a bunch and, and see what they'll enjoy. Yeah, nice. You know? I get it. You know, they're allowed to like whatever they're allowed to like. You know? Right. Um, yeah. So, hey, I want to back up here for a sec. Sure. I realized that I messed up during the introduction. I said the Wasagas. That is my just that's ingrained in my head. And I just watched a video with you reminding me it's the Wasagas. Yeah, well, it's OK. You know what? My name is Mark Sanders and half the world calls me Mark Saunders. Oh, <laughs> there's no you in the name, but you know, it names are really for getting people's attention. So if you call us the Wasagas instead of the Wasagas, I'm kind of used to that as long as you know okay. who we are and you're clapping at the end of the song. Right on. Didn't phase you. Gotcha. Phase me. Yeah. So, all right. So, Mark, you know, take us back in history. I think all this prelude talking about cartoons is a really good intro, you know, something that was old and making it new again bringing it back and still seeing the fanfare around it um so tell us about the origins of mark malibu and the wasagas wasagas there you go (laughs) um well i mean i've always been like a musician and an artist and, and um 
I first started playing in bands when I was 12. Wow. You know? And when you're that young, kids want to play Led Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff, which is beyond what a, what a 12 year old can play. Yeah. I think my very first band, the drummer, was the nephew of John Rutsey, who was the first drummer in Rush. Wow. And I remember that they were having like a family party and we were going to play our first gig. And, yeah. and it was just talking about three 12 year old kids. And we figured, oh, the guy from Rush is going to be here. So let's try and play a Rush song. Wow. So you can't believe how awful I'm sure it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he, at that point he was just looking for like another bottle of scotch or a way out of the party. But um, I was always a Beatles fan, hmm. like 60s music. It was always about that. So I'd always be in bands with guys that are in like heavy rock and stuff. And I always want to play the Beatles and the Monkees, Paul Revere and the Raiders and all that kind of stuff. So around, around 1977, I was in England. And that's when the whole punk rock explosion was happening. And I wanted to come back and start a punk band. And it took a while to get, you know, I'm living a kid living in Scarborough. There's not like a whole lot of punk rockers sitting on the street. Yeah. 1977. So by 79, we had the band going. Um, but I was all, by that time, I was kind of losing interest and in wanting to do a punk band, you know, and I was thinking more about my 60s roots, you know. So uh, myself and the drummer decided that we were going to start a surf instrumental band. And that kind of came from, I used to go to record shows and buy records. And uh, I found a stack of Ventures albums. And one of them was Ventures Surfing and whatnot. Yeah. And I started playing around with the records when I got them. And that's when I wrote the song with Sega Run, before the, even mm -hmm. the band. Wow. You know, so I thought that's kind of an anchor to start a new band. Yeah. So I had to reach out and find people. Like, you think it's hard to start a, a punk band in 1979? Yeah. Try and start a surf band <laughs> in Scarborough in 1980. Yeah. Finding other contemporaries with the same interest. And, and it really just became, you know, I'm going to have a band and we're going to play downtown. So if you want to be in a band that does well and play downtown, um, come and join my band. Okay. So, there was a guy who played guitar and I said, you're going to be the bass player. And there was another guy who said he just wanted to be in a band. He wasn't a great guitar player, but he was good enough. You know, he yep. was a live body. <laughs> so we practiced for a while and, and uh, we played, started playing downtown. We were at that point, we were probably about 16 or 17 years old. Okay. Playing in punk Younger bar. than even legal age of drinking at the time. No, but my motto in life is to do things, and it's much easier to apologize than ask permission. Oh, okay. You know? So, yeah. and some bars did kick us out. We played okay. one bar, and when the first bar we played in, we were 15, and they saw how young we were and how young our crowd was, and the, the lady who ran the place slapped me across the head and kicked <laughs> my amp down the stairs. <laughs> That's okay. We played. We yeah, exactly. We did a show downtown. They don't like it. That's their problem. And then I took the bus home with my amp and my guitar. Wow, so, rock star stuff, man. Yeah, really. So those early shows were taking place in your hometown, Scarborough. Basically, yeah. Like we, none of us had cars, so we oh, would okay. take the bus downtown with drums and guitars and amps. Literally, I can remember getting on the Lawrence bus and the bus driver getting out of the seat and helping. Myself and Steve load the drums on mm. the bus. You wouldn't get a bus driver to do that. 
<laughs> different times. Yeah. You know, we had it, our skateboards, which we would put stuff on and push them down to like Blur Street or on, you know, Dundas or Queen or wherever we were playing. So the skateboards were kind of how we pushed our gear to the venue. Oh, wow. Very creative. Yeah. And so then by like 1981, we were really kind of falling in with a lot of other younger bands that were looking to play in Toronto. And uh, we just started playing bars and and developing a following, you know. Um, it, it's kind of weird when you think about it. I mean, we were the only band doing this okay. in all of Canada. Wow. You know, that starting 1979 in the surf music world is what they call the second wave of surf music. In 79, it started. 79 to, they say, like 84, 85 is the second wave of surf music. So in the mainstream bands, what were the big bands happening that were driving that? The second wave? Yeah. Well, that it's a funny thing because I didn't think there was anyone. And then okay. I started looking through magazines and I thought saw um, there was a band called the Surf Punks that were actually kind of more like Devo. There was a band called uh, Johnny and the Night Riders. And they were like the, your traditional surf band. In California, of yeah. all places, um, there was a band called the Ray Beats out of New York City. Um, okay. They were they were a bit more jazzy. Yeah. Um, so there was a few, but yeah. the second wave is it's it's almost like a ripple. If you were waiting, yeah, a wave on your surfboard, you'd let it go by. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But so it was just at the right time for you guys, though. Yeah, but I wasn't doing it because I wanted to be a part of anything because oh, already right. being in a punk scene, you're already not a part of much. Mm. You know, So then to be the surfers in the punk scene, you're like an outsider amongst outsiders being outside of that. It, you know, it wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't a business decision. It was like, I like this music a lot yeah. and I want to play it. You know, now so, did your counterparts share that passion? I know that Steve, the drummer, who still drums with us today. Okay. He liked it because the drumming was very similar to jazz drumming. Mm. So his his drumming style is very uh, heavy rock, but he grew up loving jazz. So he can kind of go between the two styles. Oh, okay. And that's what made him perfect for this type of music. Mm. He was yeah. he's a very meticulous uh, person. So his accuracy and his speed was great. You know, I listened to some of the tapes of us playing live in those days. I think, oh, my gosh, like we're just playing everything twice as fast as it should go. Yeah. I don't know why. You were just <laughs> uh, hopped up on rock and roll. Yeah. So now, I mean, we got our tempos down. We're all grown adults and we're mm -hmm. play sets responsibly. But yeah, I couldn't believe how fast we played something. Even we did go in the recording studio once. It's the first time I've been in a recording studio. And we did. Um, six or seven songs, which I wrote. Okay. And, you know, they came out pretty good. I wish I had a reel-to-reel -reel tape of it. All I had was a cassette that day mm. because uh, we were an experiment for a friend that was taking an engineering class downtown. Okay. So he just needed a ba band to record. I think I gave them $200. And, but it was like another $15 for a reel-to-reel, -reel, and that's $15 I didn't have. Gotcha. So I got a cassette of that and we've released one of those songs on one of the CDs and I re-recorded about three of those songs. 
So when you're writing music with lyrics, you know, obviously there's the the feeling and there may be an experience or a breakup or something that drives that song. Instrumental music. It's puzzling. I know nothing. What are you thinking as you write those songs? Is there some kind of emotion that's dictating where the song goes or how do you even find a... um, a theme for the song or what it's all about? Well, in most cases, I kind of have an idea for a guitar part in my head. Okay. You know, um, I, I was actually talking about songwriting with a friend of mine last night. You know, what's your process? Because he sent me a demo. And I said, it's, you know, it sounds like you spent a lot of time doing the programming of the drum machines and everything to get your idea across. And I've done things like that. And you get bogged down in the technical side of, uh, it should really be on the ride symbol there instead of the hi-hat or it needs to be faster or slower. So my first demos for my songs are usually me strumming the guitar and me singing the melody. I've done da 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 into my iPhone. Okay. And then I take that onto my computer and I figure out, okay, I said the drum beat is similar to this song and let's find a good tempo for it and I strum along. Then I start laying down bed tracks and I kind of do my arranging on the computer as opposed to the writing. I just find this better. Um, Whenever I've tried to write directly into the computer, it just becomes like a whole lot of slamming noise. Mm. It it just becomes more about the part as opposed to the song. In in some cases, I kind of had a, a little melody land going through my head. I thought, you know what? That reminds me of, I, and I did one. This one reminds me of a roller coaster at the CNE. Oh, okay. So I wrote a song called Crazy Mouse. And I thought, well, how does a roller coaster go? I had this melody line. How does a roller coaster go? And it goes frontwards and it goes backwards and it spins around. And I kind of arranged the song that way. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, that sometimes you just say, I want to do something with a more Western feeling. You know, it's 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 inspiration. You got to yeah. kind of go with the flow. So you guys do a great rendition of Billy Idol's White Wedding Day. You call it, I believe, Great White Wedding Day. Great Very White fitting. Wedding. Yeah, Great White Wedding. So when you took that song, I mean, originally when I hear that song, I would have never thought surf rock. And then you guys attach to it, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, it's come alive as a surf team. So can you essentially do that to almost any song? Add those those twangs and those sort of extended uh, draws? On, maybe it was at the whammy or something? I'm not sure. Some, some songs you can and some songs you can't. You okay. know, I tried. I, when I, another song I did was Pet Cemetery" by the Ramones. Oh, and that okay. one felt really good for doing a, a cover of a, a surf version of some songs. I think, oh, this would be really good. And I'll sit down and I'll noodle with it. And I go, you know, there's no real melody line in the vocals. It's fairly monotonous. Okay. You know, but it works for that song. You know, you yeah. get Jory Ramone singing Beat on the Brat. It sounds great. Try and do that instrumental style. It sounds really bad. You know, so it's a matter of finding the right song um, that suits. Uh, for some, I don't know why. I know that I noodled with that song in the 80s. I okay. thought, you know, maybe this could be a surf song, but that was right at the end of the band. 
you know, and um, we'd gone through a few rhythm guitar players and I was kind of getting more into playing on the organ at that point. I taught myself how to play organ as well. So it, it was, I was doing that. And then I thought, you know, let's just play our last few gigs. We graduated high school. I was going to go off and do some physics at university and, and uh, it just surf music wasn't as important anymore. And, and everyone out went off to do their own thing, you know? I see. So when I started, we, when we did the reunion, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it later, but I just thought, you know, I kind of want like a big, it's always good to have some, a couple um, covers in the set. Cause okay. even if people, cause we're basically an original band, mm-hmm. all our set is original except for like Pet Cemetery and Great White Wedding. Yeah. So people will give you a certain amount of attention before they go, they start to flag, right? It's just like, oh, here's another song of this guy playing guitar again. It's just like, yeah. it's tedious. But give them two or three songs that, that change the tempo. Then all of a sudden you bring in a Ramon song. People go, oh, this is cool. Okay. You know, and then they have a few more songs and all of a sudden, oh, this is Billy Idol. This is good. So it, it, you know, for people that aren't maybe super surf fans that are just kind yeah. of happen to be there, they can engage. Exactly. You know, so that's kind of why I wanted to close out with something like uh, White Wedding. And it's a great song to finish with. People love the song. I love the song. It's yeah. a great song. So that's, and it didn't take long. It was one of those things where I, it was going through my head and I thought, well, let me give it a shot. And in a day, I thought, oh, this this is more than just kind of okay. This is really good. Mm. So it's been it's been in our set ever since we reunited. So to take a song like that and, and cover it, you must have had to you know pay some rights and things like that. So would you say has Billy Idol heard your version? A friend of mine is in big music management, and he knows. I don't think he knows Billy Idol, but he knows Steve Stevens. And I think he reached out to him and sent it, but I never heard if we heard anything back. Oh, okay. I'd be curious to hear what he thought of it. Yeah, it's a friend of mine. Like he used to make, he he'll manages like Robert Gordon. He's managed guys from the New York Dolls. He's kind of knows all those guys. Oh, okay. Um, so he said he was going to send it on. I, I kind of just forgot to ask him. Oh, know, okay. Because I mean, it's the worst thing you can say. So did Steve Stevens hear the song? He goes, yeah, shit. You know, <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, really. So he said he didn't want to tell me. <laughs> you got this other song on there that I used for the closing of the show, and that's called End of the Summer. Ah, uh, yeah. But when I hear that song, it screams to me the endless summer. Did oh, yeah, you, like by the sandals. By the sandals. The huge yeah. inspiration for that tune, right? Actually not. So oh. the story on End of the Summer is um, I, before I reunited the Wasegas, I used to be in a band called the Millwinders. And it was kind of a roots rockabilly band. Oh, okay. And that guitar part in it was for like a slow country song. And the band... Uh, kind of fell apart because our drummer took his life oh, and it was it was a, it was such a sad situation and mm-hmm. and we tried to keep it going but you know that really took the wind out of our sails yeah and i kind of then equated that because i was writing that with with glenn taking his life so i thought mm-hmm. well maybe i can turn this into an instrumental song 
which is kind of dedicated to him. And it was okay. kind of sad. It was a sad, awfully sad thing to happen. Yeah. So kind of was my inspiration to do that song instrumentally is at least to one get it out and two that's where i'm drawing from that's why it sounds kind of sad oh really i'm gonna have to listen to it through that lens now because i certainly wouldn't have thought that before i mean it has that sort of finality to it you know things are wrapping up we're gonna be going back to school soon you can sort of feel that but i hadn't that's really interesting it's also this sort of end of a legacy of somebody it, uh, yeah, especially him. He was such a great guy, uh, such a talented drummer. And, you, you know, you're talking about Bugs Bunny. He was a huge Warner Brothers fan. And he could, even though he was totally quiet sometimes, other times he'd recite, you know, three or four Bugs Bunny cartoons with all the parts and all the voices. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of something I did in his memory. And, and it's weird because surf music's happy. And so then I have this one song. <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> kind of got a downer angle to it, but I, you know, we don't even play that in the set anymore. It's just we oh, played really? it a while, and I just said, okay, that it's it's a recording and it's done. Let's put that to the side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just making you just sort of brought up for me thinking about some of the other great drummers missing from bands. You already brought up uh, John Bottom, and you've mentioned Rush. We recently not lost Neil Peart. But it actually took me back to, uh, is it, it's Dennis Wilson, right? The brother. Dennis the Wilson, who was the only beach boy who surfed. Yeah. So speaking of that, surfing, beach boys, what about you guys? Were you guys uh, some of the original Great Lakes surfers out at Bluffers Park? Was we, we, we used to go to the beaches a lot, but only to drink beer. Okay. And throw things at the go trains. So, uh Certainly, Steve, the drummer, and our friends were really into kayaking and sailing. Mm. So they're there and and now very much into scuba diving and snorkeling. So would you say more than surfing, you were influenced by the culture, like those old, what were those movies that came out back, the Bonaducci or something, I'm thinking? Yeah, so the Frankie... Frankie and Annette, right? Yeah. Yeah, Avalon and Annette Funicello, who was an original Mouseketeer. Those beach movies were like part of my whole 60s obsession. Yeah. You know, there's a certain innocence to the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. So if you come over to my house, there's all sorts of beach movie posters on the walls, okay. with monster movie posters. But uh, that's where I kind of heard surfing music for the first time, you know, Um I didn't know if some of the bands in the movies were real bands or not. Mm. You know, it's kind of 50-50 whether they were just actors holding guitars. I mean, now that I know what a guitar player looks like, I can tell if the guy's really playing or he's just jumping around. But back when you're a kid, they all look pretty cool. You know, plus surf music was all over the cartoons. You know, Mm. think of uh, surfing in in, uh, the Flintstones, you know, and Scooby-Doo and all those kind of cartoons. They actually had a show called uh, the Impossibles, which were a three-piece band that rode around space on a space surfboard solving crimes. Oh, cool. So Were they Hanna-Barbera characters? Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. I'll have to check them out. Yeah. So the whole surfing culture seemed fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where my interest came from surfing, not because I surfed. We certainly skateboarded, that yep. which, which is something a lot of kids did in the 70s, yep. you know. 
But as far as surfing, it, it didn't cross our minds that we could do it in Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario was for getting away from people and drinking beer. Gotcha. You know. Um, and so where did you come up with the idea of grabbing the name Wasegas then? Well, I was trying to keep it Canadian. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I'd already come up with the idea for Mark Malibu, which is very un-Canadian. Mm. So I needed a Canadian angle. And we always used to joke about Wasega Beach being kind of dumpy. Okay. So, so <laughs> it's nice now, but back in the 70s and 80s, it was pretty dumpy. So I just, Wasega sounded pretty good. It's a pretty cool name. I was thinking of your other options. I mean, it would have been a little more difficult, like Mark Malibu and the the Sobbles, Mark Malibu and the Tobermories, you know, I don't know. Right. So yeah, that was I, a good choice. Well, if you see some of the songs on the albums, I'm starting to name after places like Bluffers Park and whatnot. Yeah. So that's kind of my nod to the Great Lake Surfers, you know, which um, I don't know. I saw some video online on YouTube of guys surfing in the winter in, in their wetsuits and yep. all the ice and everything. I just thought that's about as hardcore as you can get. Yeah. You know, there's definitely those guys who surf the the, the big waves and like Portugal and whatnot. Um, but when you're surfing in water that cold, that's pretty hardcore. That's pretty committed. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the coolest thing going. I think that's part of why Great Lakes surfers, we are getting a lot more respect. Like it used to be a laughing stock, I remember. Now there's even pros that I talk to. They've got the Great Lakes on their part of their bucket list. So it has been nice to see that shift. Um, it's, just, it's just a different type of surfing. Yeah. It's not a big wave in Hawaii. It's no. a really cold one in Lake Ontario or Lake Michigan yeah. or whatever, right? But just like surfing, your music, it's awesome to see how that translates into a place like Toronto, for example. I will say though, your music, I think down the line, we need to, you need to do like a music video or something with some, some Great Lakes surfing though. I think that'd be great. Well, I do want to do that. You know, yeah. um, a guy I do a lot of uh, film work with, he's a professor at Ryerson. Okay. And, and, and he, he didn't know about Great Lakes surfing. He goes, one of my students did this video on winter surfing in the Great Lakes. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah they do that. He goes, they're crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> They're those guys who are swimming around in ice. I said, yeah. yeah, it's a real thing. That could inspire a song. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm working on new stuff, so I'm going to do nice. some uh, more winter surfing stuff for that. Yeah, that'd be great. Because I just think it's so cool. I just think it's yeah. such a, a, a statement of commitment to surfing when you're out in those cold waves. Yeah, I could see you having the kind of like burr sound effects or something blending in. Yeah, I, I'll figure something out. Maybe, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with something funny. Yeah, and the sound that everybody says on the Great Lakes when somebody scores a wave or they ride really good, we all go, yeah. So you got to get that you sound in there. Hey, okay, I'll get that in. Uh, just consult me. No well, problem. you know what? I'll, I'll get you guys to yell into a microphone and I'll stick it in the song. How's oh, that? that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I love that idea. So I have seen you in the past. Last year, you were one of the judges for the Great Lakes Surf uh, Film Festival. Yeah, so even back in the 60s, the people making the surf music and the people surfing were mm -hmm. like, 
writing a, a parallel line and they never intersected, you know, okay. Dick Dale, sir. Really? Yeah. yeah. But most of the guy, I mean, to be a good musician, you got to practice your guitar all the time. Yeah. Just like to be a good surfer, you got to get in the ocean all the time. So you can't, it's hard to do both. Mm. So what kind of brought them together is Dick Dale started playing in a place called the Rendezvous, uh, Rendezvous Ballroom. Okay. And that was kind of right at the pier where everybody surfed. So the surfers would kind of come up there at the end of the day. Surfers were more into jazz music back then, you know. Um, but Dick Dale would be playing there, and, and he was so popular that the this ballroom, which held thousands of people, was – I mean, think about it. You've been surfing all day long. What do you want to do? Let's go to the place where all the chicks are. Yeah. Right? So suddenly surfers and teenagers were all hanging out at the same place and it became kind of the surf music thing. My feeling was when we reunited, there's a, there's a lot of surf bands in, in the uh, Great Lakes area. Mm-hmm. Nobody surfs. And I felt like it, the right thing to do was to reach out. Okay. Especially we're like the first guys. There was yeah, no in the 60s playing this music. So we're kind of oh, the first guys. So I went to Surf Ontario. I just turned up on the doorstep one day. I introduced myself. I dropped off some CDs. I bought some T-shirts. And I just I just feel like it should be integrated somehow. Mm. So, and it's, you know, I don't even know if they knew I was a filmmaker. I've been in the film business since like 1984. That's how I make my money. Okay. So you are a filmmaker by trade. Yeah. I basically now just edit but i used to produce oh, okay. and direct and do all sorts of stuff but at this point i just want to edit for a few more years and call it a day oh, okay so um when they talked about the film festival i can't remember if they reached out to me or i reached out to them okay um but they had me on there uh kind of talking about the various films i thought the films were great you know there yeah. was there was some feature length films that were phenomenal and the shorts were great too. And, and it's good to see films at like a more of a grassroots level, I think for yeah. certain, because the big money films look like travel documentaries, whereas the surfing films made by surfers, they just feel more real, mm-hmm. you know, people in the water, people that uh, get it, you know, yeah. so I let, you know, and I've been involved in film festivals for years. So it was just, it was really easy to slip into the Great Lakes Film Festival and, yeah. and check out the films. I, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, was they, that just this previous year that you did it, or have you been it, a yeah. part of it for a few years? Okay. No, this was the first year, and I told them I'd love to be back and be a part of anything they want to do. I think there's an angle somewhere for Ontario, because they put a, mo- a lot of money into travel, mm. to say, we can bring tourism here by maybe you guys don't want the lakes full of people yeah. from all over the place, but there, there's, there's gotta be more angles than just the ones they've been exhausting for the last 40 years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've thought for myself, I've thought, man, what would be a good idea for a film? Because I, I don't want to put anyone down, but I will say that last year I did find that the, Great Lakes, the people submitting from the Great Lakes, they were mostly what we call surf porn, like surf, you know, guys surfing to music type of a thing. Um, That one, the video that won for, I believe it was international. It was like the story of a father and daughter. So powerful. So I'd like to see them. 
Was that in Sorry? Malta? Was that in Malta? Where were they? I feel like it was uh, Iceland or Greenland or something yeah. like that. Um, but just a fantastic short. And I, I think we're going to see some films like that. There are some talented filmmakers who are surfing and guys reaching out to me, um, asking who they should uh, also hook up with. So I think it's just really at its infancy still. I think we're going to see some great content. Well, you know, everything starts somewhere. Yeah. And the fact that the guys are doing the Great Lakes Surf Film Festival, that sometimes is enough of a reason for people yeah. to get up their cameras and make a movie. And then maybe someone from the scene emerges as, you know, a, a real surf music, surf movie director, you know. Yeah. It, you know, And certainly uh, filming the Great Lakes is going to be different to filming, you know, the, the West Coast or Hawaii or mm. something like that. Yeah. I can see when all this COVID stuff is over. So you were saying not sure if you, if we want to blow up our spots. So that's a big debate. You know, some people are all about it. Others are not. I'm personally on the let's share the stoke train. We don't have to reveal all our secret spots, but if you can find it on a map and you've done your work to, to find the spot, then you deserve to be there. But I would love to see like a surf, um, celebration or something like that in toronto or on the great lakes somewhere here in canada and you guys uh, headline it you know as one of yeah. the first surf rock bands that would be incredible so now you guys have had followers there are other bands out there now we got like the, the urban surf kings for example stands out to me i really like those guys they're a great band. The, surfer, the surfer jets yeah um so how do you feel about, you know, being part of that beginning and seeing what it's evolved into? Uh, I mean, after we stopped doing it in the 80s, I kind of went off and traveled doing work. Mm. So it wasn't until I decided to, to stay at home for a while that I found that they had a thing called the Great Lakes Surf Battle, which has now gone on for 15 or 16 years. And it's all surf bands from the Ontario area. Okay. and then they started having international bands. So it would be someone from New York or, or Chicago or something or Detroit. And it's growing. It's like a big festival. And I personally think it's really cool that it's blown up so much. Yeah. You know, there's so many bands playing surf music now. Um, and, and a lot of them are really, really great. And I love it. I just, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I, I wish I could have been part of something like that back in 1980, but it wasn't to be because, I mean, you know, like the eighties were everything else, right? Yeah. And people were finding the stray cats and getting into rockabilly. People were finding the specials and getting into ska music. Mm. People were liking Duran Duran. People were into, you know, Rick James and liking funk music and all this. So there was a ton of different music at the time, which is exciting, which kind of left the door open for us to be tolerated for a set. Mm -hmm. I say tolerated, yeah. you know, um, but now everybody, it was really since Pulp Fiction. When Pulp Fiction uh, came out, the world became, the new world became aware of surf music. And that's yeah, because that's a was. Dick Dale song, isn't it? The uh, Tiramisu? They have Dick Dale, they got the Centurions. Um, Maybe, you know, I, I'll be honest, yeah. I've never watched Pulp Fiction. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. 
I even, <laughs> I even was hired by the cinematographer. He was doing a film as a director and his, he won BAFTA awards for Pulp Fiction. I said, Whoa. I'm just going to tell you this now. I've never seen the film. And he laughed because everyone else would be kissing yeah. his butt for being the guy from Pulp Fiction. Wow. And I hadn't seen it. But again, he hired me because I was just wondering. not like Quentin Tarantino or something. It's not my favorite. Yeah. OK. He's definitely an acquired taste for sure. Yeah. He's too talky for me. Yeah. OK. Get on, get on with the movie, man. Uh, OK. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Still, though, I think that's incredible that you guys were doing something. You left it for a while. And it sort of had this slow burn. There was, you know, Kindle in the fire. And then you come back and you see what's going on. And I'm sure to some people, they'd probably never heard of you, but to others, you would have been kind of like, you know, music royalty. Like they would have really looked up to you guys. Yeah. I don't know about royalty, but they knew that I was around back yeah. then. Yeah. You know, and um, they kept on asking me, you know, you should really reunite the band. Mm. But I, to be honest, I hadn't touched my guitar in a couple of decades. Really? I got, I got so busy with work. Um, I was traveling around in the film business, living out of a suitcase and, you know, living in hotels. Yeah. So uh, when I finally kind of decided to settle down back in Toronto again, you know, I would go and see bands. And the couple of guys who ran this surf battle thing were happy that I was turning up to see their bands. Mm, you know, because yeah. I thought the, their bands were great. And they said, you got to reunite, you got to reunite. But I'd basically forgotten how to play guitar. I didn't even oh, own a guitar. I didn't own a guitar. So um, the Rockabilly band I played in before the Wasegas, they were kept on asking me, you should come and play. And it's just mm. like, I don't know if I can play. So I bought yeah. a guitar. And uh, three months later, I was playing at a big Rockabilly festival. Wow. In just came back, eh? They didn't come back. I, I think okay. I, I just about uh, killed every song on that set. And, oh, okay. uh, but but a after a year, the playing yeah. started to come back. And, and then I thought, well, maybe I can do the reunion. So we did it, and it went over really well. And we that night, we got booked to play Kingston in Montreal. So oh, wow. on the road, we went. And uh, that bit, that the reunited version lasted for about a year. Okay. And then I kind of had a heart to heart with myself. I thought if we're going to do this right, I got to get people that are more committed. Mm. So still me and Steve, the original two guys. And then um, I went through a bunch of different guitar players, rhythm guitar players, but I've had the same bass player since, uh, you know, we started recording. Okay. And uh, we're a pretty solid bunch now. In fact, the bass player ended up marrying the guitar player. They're helping. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So that, that uh, we're a pretty solid unit. So you said that your parents were scientists. So how did you get into music? I almost wasn't allowed. Really? I tried to do something. <laughs> and I tried to teach myself piano and they sold it on me. Wow. Um, I started taking drum lessons in my public school. They wouldn't permit me to have drums. And then my dad came home with a guitar that he bought for five bucks. And he said, here, this doesn't make as much noise, a little acoustic guitar. And I, I had guitar lessons for about three months. And then they put the price up. So that was done. So I just taught myself. Wow. Yeah. And out of all the guitar styles, like surf rock is definitely not elementary. 
No, um, it, it's it's weird because you know playing in some bands, you go, I just got to learn these chords. When I go to do a show, I know that for the next hour and fifteen minutes, I'm doing a guitar solo. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> and for wow. the next hour and 15 or hour and a half or however long the set's going to be 40 minutes whatever yeah that's a complete guitar solo for me wow it's a lot and, of and if i club a note it's el stinko yeah so yeah it's i have no pressure well you know i'm pretty if i make a mistake i make a mistake but i do rehearse a lot okay you know personally the set once i know we're playing you know, we have sets that don't change too often. And and um, anyway, I just go in there knowing my songs. Okay. Now, I'm curious, too, you remember about the surf rock itself. How do you feel about surf rock or surf music and the evolution of that? Because if I remember correctly, surf rock originally was considered um, like ukulele, Hawaiian music around the campfire. And then I'm imagining with the whole 50s, 60s sort of Beach Boys thing, and then Dick Dale and, and Wipeout and Ventures and all that. But then fast forward to, say, the 90s and the 2000s, then you're getting into guys like I found Jack Johnson and then music, surf music kind of chilling out. And well, actually, there was a stint there in the 90s where it became very sort of metal as well, I would say very like fast kind of hardcore. So, you know, how do you feel about the evolution of the surf music and where do you fall in that? Well, that, you know, that's a good question because there, there's in the surf music community, there is purists, mm. you know, and they will only play certain types of guitars and they will only play certain types of amps and you have to have a certain type of reverb and they don't, and their songs basically sounds exactly the same as the bands from 1962, 63. Okay. And then there's everyone else that ventures outside of that. You know, there are bands that are like super heavy metal surf. There are bands that are kind of punky surf. There are other bands that are, you know, they've got synthesizers. Some have drum machines. It's a, it's a, like anything, like in heavy metal, you know, there's a whole bunch of subgenres. Mm -hmm. In surf, there's a whole bunch of subgenres. Oh, okay. You know, and then depending on the country you come from, they bring their influences to that. Surf music is huge in South America. Really? Everywhere from Mexico down through Central America to South America, it's hugely populated. And, wow. and like a country like Brazil, they put out Brazil compilations and their three CDs and the, every really? band is different on them. It, it's just kind of uh, mesmerizing how many yeah. bands are doing it. So I like it. I, I like diversity of sound. Yeah. You know? and, and now watching your videos online on YouTube and whatnot, it seems like going to uh, uh, Mark Malibu and the Wasegas show it's like a time capsule. It, it feels like you're in this special place in time. It's concealed. I remember in Toronto going to a bar. I forget what it's called when we used to live there. And I'm not a huge country music fan. Of course, I like a little bit, but uh, not a huge fan. But we went to this country bar and it was the old school, like Waylon Jennings kind of style Western. 
And it was intoxicating. You couldn't help but get swept up in that and feel like you were part of that. And for one night, everyone loved country music. And so I would imagine similar for you guys, surf rock fan or not, it looks like an experience. How could you not become enthusiastic in that environment? Well, you liked that country music because you had musicians on stage that are committed to giving you authentic vintage mm. country music. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think it's, it's the same for if you, you can go to an evening and have five surf bands and you'll walk out and you'll think, what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> Yeah. Right, because they can start to sound very much the same. Mm, yeah, and it it's kind of uh, when I book our our the band onto to shows, I'm thinking I would prefer to play with three other bands that aren't surf. Oh, okay. Because I know we can hold our own with. We've played with like ACDC cover bands. Yeah. Um, we we played with a band that was kind of metal punk, like a punk rock metal band. And all their songs were The Simpsons, songs mm. from The Simpsons. We've played with <laughs> bands that do tributes to video games. We've oh, played with works. rockabilly bands, which are a lot easier to handle with us. So then it doesn't become five acts that all sound the same. Yeah, that's smart. On top of that, we don't sort of, we're not just four people on stage playing music. We have go go dancers. Mm -hmm. So if you come and see us, there's always a go go dancer with. You know, the band has matching outfits. The band has matching guitars. We have a sponsorship. Um, the go-go dancer, her clothes match the bands. Uh, we have a guy that comes out and will sing a couple songs. We have a guy that dresses like a gorilla, you know, and plays bongos. So it's a bit of a show that builds and has ebbs and flows. And, and even if you don't like surf music or you don't know it, you can at least see us and go, wow, that was pretty different. That was cool. Yeah. It is a show. You're reminding me of, you know, I've seen interviews with Gene Simmons talking about KISS and the whole idea that a KISS concert, and I've been to two of them, is an experience. Yeah. And, and it looks the same with you guys. And I was going to say, yeah, you have on stage with you usually Blue Suede Sue, yeah. Bongo, a go-go, yeah. and DJ Swankenstein. Yeah, yeah. We, we do a lot of shows. So... Uh, Bongo Agogo is DJ Swankenstein. It's the same guy. Oh, okay. A lot of times when we book ourselves in, you know, we say we come with a DJ. Mm -hmm. So he has all sorts of music, you know, regardless, you know, whatever the crowd, he can play the crowd. He's got 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. But he specializes in, you know, surf and rockabilly and weird 60s and exotica, you know, whatever. So it becomes like a whole kind of, we're going to come in and take over your bar for the evening and your crowd's going to be very happy. You yeah. know, it's kind of what we do. And the, I really like that merge of the old school, like classic monsters. That's obviously a sixties influence. You got the classic monsters in there um, with the surf rock. I, I can't wait to come see a show, Mark. It looks amazing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. It's Next week will be the one-year anniversary of our last show. Really? We were playing at uh, a Hot Rod Auto Show up mm. at uh, the airport uh, at the convention center up there. And normally at that show, they have thousands of people. Okay. But it was literally the Friday before we went into lockdown on the Tuesday. Mm. So everyone was terrified. Nobody turned up. 
the only well, people who saw us were a few vendors, you know, and, you know, so we did our show and when we packed up and, and it just, it was so unfortunate because the promoters who put that on are good guys. They had great hot rods from all over, you know, Canada and North America mm-hmm. yeah. and just beautiful stuff. And it was so, it was such a well-produced show. And the fact that people didn't turn up to see it was a shame. Yeah. That's a shame. You know, because Hey, you know, independent promoters, they're putting their own money on the line, you, you know, yeah. and, and without people like that doing those kind of shows, guys like me don't have a place to play. Mm. So, you know, I, I try and support those kind of people, entrepreneurs yeah. like yourself. Yeah, like me. Thank you. Yeah. So so I think that's an important because I'm a business guy. I'm a self-made business guy. right? Okay. And, and so I know what it's like putting your own money online, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. putting yourself out there, doing all the hard work. So I'm totally into supporting anyone like that. So another thing with you, dude, is the hats. I caught it. Those are amazing. Where do you get your hats from? When doing the Rockabilly thing, they always used to have these vendors that would sell like, t- like prototype James Dean hats and Marlon Brando hats. Okay. So there's two, there was a place in California, but they don't make them anymore. So I actually order them from the Czech Republic. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because that's not a common hat you see around. I, I've searched hats first. I wanted just one of those uh, captain's hats, you know, and I ordered one from Amazon, but it was just a cheap, like, costume version. You know, um, I'll send you the link for these guys in the Czech okay. Republic. It's real quality stuff. Have you seen a band called the Yachtly Crew? <laughs> no, they sound amazing though. They are. They uh, they dress up all in captain's uniforms. They play on yachts, obviously. Yeah. And they play, I don't know what would the name of the music be. It would be 80s music, very uh, stuff like uh, Men at Work, uh, you know, Corey Hart. Um, it's an actual genre. It's called Yacht Rock. Really? Oh. Yeah. It's oh, huge. Well, then that's fitting. Yacht rock. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea that was a term. Yeah, it's it's a huge thing. Like it's it's not really my cup of tea, but it's a huge deal. And our DJ Pete, he does yacht rock nights at tiki bars. Nice. I love the yacht rock. I'm like, this is right up my alley, those tunes. Yeah. Oh, and, super and cool. He loves it too. And it, and it's it's a fun thing. There there are bands that are just yacht rock bands, you know, they're yacht playing. Rock. What is it? What are those bands like Pablo Cruz and Little River Band? And, uh, you know, my wife's going like this. <laughs> yeah, wow, this is opening me up to a whole other genre. Oh, we got another listener in here. Your wife's there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's going back that Oh, right on. Hi there. Hello. <laughs> yeah, she likes punk rock. She's, she's into the heavy stuff. Nice. Is she one of the ladies that I see, we see dancing in the pictures at all or? Um, she doesn't go-go dance, but she's okay. come up on stage and saved my butt a couple of times when the go-go dancer didn't make it. <laughs> oh, right on, right on. So, you know, so the, Mal- the Mark Malibu and the Wasagas, you guys, you did the, the 70s thing. You did the revival in 2014, was it, did you say? Yeah, 2014 was the revival. Okay. You know, and it's, it, I, I just thought it would be one show. I honestly did. I thought we'll put in a ton of work. We'll do one show and then people don't have to ask again. But once we went to Montreal and we had a good reaction, I thought, you know, maybe the band can do something. 
So then I started writing new material. And I only went, then I thought we got to release it. So I went out to three record companies and they were all kind of interested. And I kind of made my decision on the one company. And since that we've, see, we've got albums. Oh, that's beautiful. Albums. Yeah. We got CDs. Awesome. That's, That's the new one. Yeah, this is the only one I don't have. I, I was looking for it on iTunes. It's not on iTunes yet. I haven't put it up on digital, but when I see, I'll give okay. you a copy. Okay, it, right on. It's, it's, um, I put the first two up on like iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, yeah. and all that stuff. But as we move forward, I think all my stuff is if you want it, you got to buy the record or the CD or a download or something like that. Oh, you're going real vintage. You want real that vintage. physical media. We even did. There's a picture disc. Wow, this is that's, cool. That's the old band. Yeah. And that's the new band. Old on the back, new on the front, right on. I, I, I should have printed more of them. I, I printed, uh, I don't know how many it was, but I announced we were doing a picture disc, and they were all sold out before I brought them to a show. Wow, that's a good problem to have. It's, it's good <laughs> business, but at the same time, I wanted to turn up with a stack of, of picture discs, you know? Yeah, really. Yeah. So uh, how has the music changed from 70s to now and when you continue to write now? I think sound-wise, we still kind of sound the same. You know, I mean, the, the energy level is different because obviously I'm not a mental 15-year-old anymore, right? Okay, so, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's more... Control. I'm a more confident guy. Like we have a lot of fun on the stage. It, it's it gets goofy. Like we have all sorts of gags we do, um, which is aside from the writing. I take the writing yeah. very serious. I want our music to be among the best out there. Yeah. You know, and you know, proofs in the pudding. The Crash Monster Beach was called in the surf community one of the best LPs of the last decade. Oh, incredible. No, and Dance Party A Go Go was was one of the top five traditional surf albums that were released last year. So people are recognizing it as as kind of one of the premier bands out there. Awesome. Um, we haven't been able to tour the U.S. yet, just because my work schedule has been insane. Yeah. Um, I'm on. I with the lockdown, that was my first break. You oh, know, okay. I, I basically. Wow. Yeah, and I did videos and stuff, but that was the first work break I'd taken in in a few years. Like literally, I hadn't taken a month or anything or a week or nothing. Wow. So I just, last week I started another break, but I still can't go anywhere. Okay. So All deserved, just not the good time for it, yeah. That's it. Steve and I talk about where do we want to go. And before the, the lockdown, we were setting up like a European tour. We wanted to kind of start in Spain and end in England. Um, but you know, our record company, the main guy was based out of Hong Kong. He's going, we got this virus thing coming. I don't know what anything's going to happen this year. And at first, when you read the email, you go, wow, what a lot of horse hooey. That's not going to happen. Yeah. It starts to become reality. You stop looking at plane tickets. So a few years ago, you were thinking this is just going to be a one-time thing. Now you're in a position where you're playing in a band and you're earning an income doing it. I mean, this was probably not your life's plan five years ago or, you know, just prior to that. I never thought I would play in a band again. Yeah. And I didn't, 
as much as um, you know, I look at the uh, mission statement of my business, and it, it's you know, film, music, sound, all those kind of things encompassed. But I didn't know I was going to do a band thing again. You know, um, certainly film is my bread and butter. You know, yeah. and the band thing is is a, a very small segment of that business. It's, it is a business. Oh, okay. We've had songs placed on TV shows, uh, which is, it, you know, you can uh, put a song in a TV show and make as much, you know, basically enough to pay for the pressing of your album, you know? Oh, okay. So, so that's a good business uh, proposition there if they happen. I'm always looking for another TV show to be in. So where would we hear your music uh, in other, like on shows or in other settings? The last song that we placed was in a, a hallmark television series oh, okay. called the good witch oh, okay and the nice thing is it's featured so the, basically there's a, a bowling competition between the two people and they're playing our song is in in kind of like a spaghetti western and she's oh, okay. the ball and she's rolling back and in slow motion you see the ball and knock down all the pins and of course it's oh, wobbling cool. like that and then it goes over and that's the end of the song so it was nice to be featured in a big, I mean, that show sold around the world. They have millions of viewers. So those, those are good placements to get. Absolutely. And I mean, if any of your, the guys watching this are doing uh, movies, you know, of just even gorilla surfing there, just contact me. You can have the song for a dollar type of thing. Oh, you know? right on. Listen up to that folks. Reach out to Mark Malibu. Yeah. I mean, I'm really easy going, you know, somebody had a, uh, a school project just a few months ago and they wanted to use a song. I said, of course, of course, you know, it's, I like to sell them to the TV shows, but they yeah. got money. But if you're an independent filmmaker and you don't have money, then I, I, a dollar is a good price. Yeah. Right on. Well, I appreciate it here at Permastoke. It really, I think gave me that boost of confidence I needed at the beginning to have a, a polished intro uh, now I'm going into season two, so I've kind of, you know, learned some lessons. I'm going to and use the song again. But I think that for some people, when they hear that Hey Chihuahua now, they know they are listening to an episode of Permastoke. So I can't get rid of it now. It's just getting started. Hey, well, you, you if you uh, hang around me for a while, you'll know I'm all about branding. Okay. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. all, all them covers are like the same artist using the same lettering. Those are on our t-shirts. Yeah, which I've taken a note of that artist because uh, I kind of have some designs in mind I think would be great. Yeah, you know, it's just a matter of reaching out and hopefully they got time because it, you know, when I first reached out to him, he was too busy. Oh, okay. You know? And so then I started reaching out to other people that were similar. And I really wanted Darren more than anything in the world. Mm -hmm. I really wanted him to do it because I'd seen his work. And then, he, yeah. I guess... You know, he suddenly had some time. It was, hey, you still need that album done? And, and then, you know, he made the mistake of falling into my mesh. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's some stuff for us, for sure. Nice. So you mentioned earlier about your relationship with the film festival and Surf Ontario. And I think, you know, the bridge you and I have built with Permastoke and, and your music. Because earlier you were mentioning how the surfers and the surf music are these sort of two roads independent of each other. Right. And I think it's time we change that as we celebrate surf rock and as Great Lakes surfing is, especially in Canada, is really bubbling to the surface now. It's here to stay. 
Um, I'd love to see you guys uh, present in the culture. And I know, for example, uh, Surf Canada is working on bringing a competition to the Great Lakes. So I think there's going to be some venues for you guys. Hey, count is in. We're good for anything. We're uh, totally up for promoting surf music and promoting surfing and skateboarding and, and, and boarding of any kind. You know, um, we tried we tried to get we did a an in-store at uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of this company. They sell like windsurfers and stuff like that. It was okay. uh, um and I I wa I, I always do a pre-scout on a new location. I went in, I said to the manager. I think we're way too loud for your store. Okay. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 we've had bands in here. And like people always say, oh yeah, we've had bands before. I said, no, we're a rock and roll band. You know, we're not a yeah. jazz trio. Like we're going to. And so anyway, they, it was a good paying job. I gave them like four chances to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we load in the gear, we set up, we're playing. We've got the go-go dancer going in the storm. People are liking it. But the cat guys can't hear it. The cash, they can't oh. do the job, right? So all the 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 floor managers are going, like, yeah. We kept on turning things down and turning things down, and I think we maybe got in five songs, and that was. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So you know, but it, you know, maybe outside, if Surf Ontario is doing a barbecue, or if you guys are doing a show down at uh, the lake, we'll figure it out. We want to be a yeah. part. You know, I love like, it. We we uh, we are the original surf guys in Canada, and we just want to you know keep keep being a part of the scene and promoting it. It's all about promoting it, and you know, I like I said, our drummers are he really enjoys being in the ocean and and mm -hmm. the lakes and everything. He's very serious scuba diver, he and his wife, and and um, you know, we went down together to Grand Bahamas uh, a couple Christmases ago. And it was kind of my first time, like I've been snorkeling lightly before, but we are like way out past the reefs, you know, and, and uh, it, it was just great being in the ocean. It is such yeah. a great feeling and swimming around. And, uh, you know, and I think he was keeping his eye on me because suddenly we noticed a ton of sharks below us. Ooh. And he wanted to say, what's Mark doing? I'm like, <laughs> they don't want to eat us. They got better stuff yeah. in there, right? So, uh it was great. We were out in the ocean for quite a while. So uh, I don't, I haven't quite got the bug like Steve has. Mm. I mean, Steve sails. He's also a pretty okay. serious sailor, right? So he's one of the few people I've heard of. Only he's the only person I know who, like, he went to Greece and he sailed a boat back across the ocean for some rich yacht guy. You know? Oh, wow. That's hardcore. Yeah. You know, yachting. But he knows what he's doing out there. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Right? He deserves that captain's hat. Well, absolutely. I asked him, I said, what's it like? He goes, sometimes it's really calm. Other times you go down in the wave and you're surrounded on water on all sides. Oh, yeah. and then you go back up again, you know, and for a couple of weeks, you know, you don't see land. And, yeah, really. You know, so he he's the real kind of sea guy amongst the band. Nice. Every band has a good story full of shenanigans. So what are some of the things you guys have gotten up to over the years, any good pranks or just great shows or special experiences? I'll tell you the crazy story, which was the turning point for the starting of the Wasegas. Okay. The Before we were the Wasegas, we were a punk band called the Degenerats. Mm. And it was kind of a mix of 60s and, and uh, 
punk rock, like Ramones and Sex Pistols. And we were actually still playing at that point in time, already playing Pipeline and Wipeout. But we decided to do our last show at this basement party. And it was like Scarborough parties are always kind of crazy. Okay. So we were playing and some guys wanted to come in that weren't invited, kind of party crashers, right? Mm. And there was a little bit of a fight going on. And and, uh, anyway, they left. And after we finished playing and things were kind of settling down a bit, they came back. But they came back with like baseball bats and two fours. And I wasn't there at that time. I kind of taken off for a while. I was going to come back. But they took about 10 or 12 people in the room hostage. Whoa. Pushed into the back of the room. They whacked a couple guys with a baseball bat. And they were threatening them. And then what was their deal? What were they? They were pissed off. They couldn't come to the party. Oh, okay. So while they were threatening the the last few party goers, some of the other guys stole the PA and my guitar amp and some other stuff. And one of the guys they hit got mad and stood up and stabbed one of the guys. So suddenly the the home invaders are like backing up and getting out of the house. So I turn up to (laughs) cut my gear. There's like blood all over the floor, you know, and everyone's kind of freaked out. And then... uh, uh apparently what when the chaos was going on that it was at my the drummer's house his mom came home she's a real tough german lady yeah she was grabbing guys by the scruff of the neck and throwing them out the front door so that was kind of you know me and steve sitting down going what do we want to do next because we didn't have a pa anymore so Mm. singing was out of the equation and i didn't have an amp so that was kind of, it was like a home invasion. It was kind of wow. the instigator to starting a surf band. Yeah, kind of sort of rerouted you guys. You know, you didn't have this instrument or that. So you did with what you could. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> you wanted a crazy story. There's one of many. Yeah, I like it. So <laughs> cut out the vocals. And so, you know, listening to that story, um, I think what's really cool and what I see when you're talking is, and I often have this experience too. I mean, I feel like my life, everything was either before high school or after high school. Like even, you know, at this stage in life, I I always remember that's sort of like the marker. Um, And so it seems like this band really is a trip in time that when you guys are doing it, you are just having so much fun. And you look like you are your 16-year-old self up there again for that two hours, which is good because that's your authentic self, obviously. So, yeah, it, I mean, I'm glad I'm not my 16-year-old self. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a much nicer. But he's in there, yeah. I'm a much nicer person now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the cheekiness is still there. We, we were fun and we had we did funny things, um, you know, it. I'm not really into going back in time. So it was weird putting back an old band, but it was kind of like, how can I take this thing that I created that people know about and kind of move forward with it? And that's the way I see it. And, and, you know, 30 something years later, when you reunite a band, you're a totally different person. And, and, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, it we we really have a good time doing it yeah um, the the people in the band are fun and mm. funny 
Yeah. You know, it, it gives me a chance to be the clown that I can be. Yeah. You know, plus we do have some good music and, and for sure. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard work. Like I, I can't tell you how tired I am by the time wow. I'm done the set, I go and I lay down. Yeah. It, it really, I kind of, I'm out of breath at the end of it. It looks exhausting. I was even, you know, paying attention to the drummer today with that style of music and yeah, it's not just a simple, you know, one in four beat. It's, Lots of stuff happening. And it's loud and it's pounding. Yeah. You know, my big thing is I don't like to stop. Mm. I like a song to end and start right again. And in our set list, I have little arrows and it's where I'm going to talk or do something. Okay. Other than that, it's just like end one, two, three, four, boom. Or like we practice. We When we do a practice, we don't stop either. Okay. So, you know, when we're playing in a club and it's really hot, I'll turn around and Steve's he's like, <laughs> need a drink. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I need to catch my breath. So he's he's been practicing a lot, building up his endurance, because it's an endurance thing. Really? As much as it's musical. Mark, I want to know, man, when you're not rocking the guitar and, and chilling out to surf rock music, what else are you stoked about? What gets you excited? Um... Like I said, I used to make my own films. Um, I still love watching films. I love old TV shows. Um, I like to go for walks with my wife and the dogs. You know, we live near the lake here on the west side of Toronto. So it's about a 10 minute walk and we're down by the lake. Um, so that's it. You know, it's it's been the last couple of years have been, you know, making sure my dad's okay. You know, he's 88. Um, but so that's kind of my thing is, is I like writing, writing music, playing music. So was he disappointed you didn't become a physicist and you became a guitar player instead? Well, making <laughs> money, the fact that I actually entered the film business and, and bought a house and put a daughter through university. I, I think I proved a lot of people wrong that you can't oh, okay. need the arts, but you yeah. have to be dependable. Yeah. You know, I always tell my friends that if I would have taken the same effort and gone into banking, I would have owned Amazon by now, mm, you know, yeah. uh, but, you know, I wanted to be an artist. Yeah. So. Yeah. That commitment and drive is obviously apparent. Like, I just think it's so cool that you created something and and even though it was dormant for a while, there was enough there to bring it back. And it sparked excitement around some people. So did you have like a small group of people that really loved the music that were gung-ho for you guys to be back? You know, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. I, I thought, yeah. well, let's, let's just do the show and see what happens. But the night we played, we jammed the bar we wow. were at. And there was a lot of people that had seen us in the old days that had come to see us. And there was a lot of people that had heard about us who hadn't seen us. But it was amazing how many people turned up who had seen us the first time round. Yeah. And were really happy to see us playing again. And it, it was kind of amazing because yeah. you don't know, right? It's just no. a dumb thing I did when I was 15. Yeah. And suddenly it's got some longevity to it for whatever reason. Yeah. So getting that first show out of the way, like doing it and, and not looking like a fool was a big thing. Yeah. But doing it and having people like it and wanting to hear it again was a, a bit of a surprise. Yeah. 
So I think that's why in my mind, I thought if I'm going to keep doing this, I got to take it up a notch, you know, because I don't, I don't want to be just one of the other bands. I want to be, oh, yeah. guys. And I, we never stand out, that. yeah. Yeah. So, which takes a lot of work. I mean, mm-hmm. it's more than just writing songs, you know, I'm, I'm writing them, I'm producing them, I'm all over the artists, I'm all over the artwork, you know, I build the website, I just, it's every single day I'm doing something, I'm reaching out to a blogger, I'm reaching out to a DJ, I'm writing letters to people and, hey, Montreal guys, like, when do you think your shows are going again? Because, you know, we were booked to come there before the pandemic, hey, guys in Buffalo, what do you think? Or Yeah. I'm, it's every single day. It's a whole like enterprise you have going on. Yeah, it is. And between that and then my job when I'm working, you know, and then plus, you know, we had to stay isolated to take care of my dad. You know, my dad mm-hmm. just had some surgery. So there's all this stuff going on and it just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And except for last week, finally, I thought I'm sleeping for two days. <laughs> uh, I finished my TV show I was working on. I thought I'm okay. just sleeping. You know, so a TV show you were producing or binge watching? <laughs> no, I was editing it actually. Oh, okay. So I work on a TV show that's shot in Newfoundland, but is kind of sold around the world. Oh, okay. It's a cop show. I was going to say, is that a Doyle's Republic or something? No, it's called Hudson and Rex. It's a cop and a German shepherd. Oh, okay. I don't know that one. Sounds like the old, uh, what was that show? The Littlest Hobo, though. It, it well actually the one of the guys I work with started is in the business on Littlest Tobo. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a fun show, it, it, you know, and that's that's my been my day job for the last three years. Um, so you know, it's it's fun. Like I, I've had a fun life. I've been able to do creative things my whole life and pay my bills. You yeah. know, and uh, you know, it it's that whole thing. Like it all builds towards. I, I talk about legacy a lot. Mm. You know, some people can work their whole lives and you say, what did I do? Yeah. You know, like if if you're in the finance business, you're just kind of pushing numbers around. Like, are you yeah. actually creating something? It's not like you're building a car or, or creating like custom shelving or like a craftsperson, right? Yeah. I can look back and I can say, wow, you know, I produced 20 films. I edited... God, I didn't know what the number is now. It might be like three or 400 episodes of television. Yeah. Uh, I put out four albums. I, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. And you sit back and you go, I, I was a creative person in my spare time. Yeah, your, your gravestone will have a discography for sure. You know what it's going to say? <laughs> What's it going to say? <laughs> Thank God he's stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow yeah find it on your streaming channel after that's right yeah wow (laughs) well mark hey man it has just been an honor to hear your story dude and you know it's inspirational to see what you created it's still going and i say inspirational because for me creating this podcast it's in its early days but like you i've had people reach out to me and the thing is like you were saying you don't know the impact you're making. Like I'm literally just a guy at my computer who calls up other people and has a conversation. It's really that simple. But the second you put it out on the airwaves, 
it means something to other people. And so for people to reach out to me and say, you know, oh, I feel more stoked after listening to that. I want to go surf at that spot or this. It's extremely rewarding. Yeah, you know, it's all about creating and and, um, it's kind of like a gift to everybody who's Mm. watching. You know, and I think it's really important because it's really easy to do things for yourself, but people are legitimately interested if you're doing something good, yeah. in seeing more of it, you know, and, and uh, these kind of interviews are, 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 I, I, you see people that are doing things similar to you. It is inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it, it's, it's positive on the whole surf scene. Well, you know, yeah. I, I watched a lot of your, your interviews, the podcasts. Um, when you asked me to do it, I thought, Am I going to have anything to say that surfers want to hear about? Yeah, yeah. So I watched a lot of them, and you could—you're a good interviewer because you kind of take everyone's different perspective, and you still make it part of your show. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed listening to the surfers talking about surfing, and then maybe going to you know Lake Michigan for the first time and surfing yeah. or something like that. And I go, wow, that's kind of like the first time I did something and trailblazing on your own. Yeah. Cause that's what we're all kind of doing is doing something maybe we haven't done before, but it makes you, uh, that experience makes you a better yeah. person, you know, and it, well, it I hope everything you do going forward. Yeah. I hope that the great lake surfers listening to this find it inspirational from the, what I did in that standpoint was a guy making surf rock in a non surfing area. Right. And that's exactly what we've done. You can't surf on a lake. That's what they all say, but you can. And just like you can surf on a lake, you can make surf music in the lakes. And I think you guys have done a fantastic job at that. And I really like that you've thrown in the local component, you know, by making it the Wasegas, I think also really speaks to people and people have memories of going up to the cottage or spending time at the beach. So well, it, it is important that I keep the local component. You know, it's, I mean, why would I, I write songs about some beach in California that I may or may not go to when I've got beaches down the road from me that mean something to me I go to, you know, every week? Yeah. You know, it just growing up in Scarborough and hanging out at Bluffers Park and Rouge Beach and all those kind of places. I mean, that's where we hung out. That was a big part of our growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, we weren't surfing. We were drinking beer and causing trouble and, and hiding from the uh, ghost station police and whatnot. But it, it's cool down at the beach. There's something amazing about it. Yeah. You know, sometimes this sounds corny, but sometimes I'd sit there and I'd look out and I'd go, what was this place like 200 years ago? Mm. Yeah, I know that's really dumb. No, I've thought that too. Yeah. 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 You think about the original people sitting there taking that all in as well. Yeah. Like just even the, the, the uh, waterfront is so different now. I was walking downtown around St. Lawrence market and they took down the Greyhound station there. And they stopped, they stopped the excavation because they found the original port of Toronto. Wow. Now, this is Esplanade. That's yeah. where the water went to. The Esplanade. Really? So you have a kilometer now before you hit the water. Wow. So is that all landfill? It must be. 
Incredible. Yeah. Because this was ports. This is like wooden docks where the boats came in with all the raw materials for wow. the early city of Toronto. At, at right at, at St. Lawrence Market, basically. Yeah. Wow. And you think, wow. So the water was here. And think about when they were digging uh, in front of Union Station, they found the skeleton uh, of an ancient whale. Really? Amazing. Yeah, they wow. stopped digging in front. It was in front of the Royal York Hotel and, and Union Station. So our shoreline has changed so much. Yeah, and that brings up how did a whale get in there? You know, was the St. Lawrence coming through somewhere? or Well, obviously, wow. the water levels were higher. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, the water levels were higher. and, yeah. and But I mean, for a, salt water, for a saltwater animal. You got a whale. Mystery. <laughs> you got a whale. I mean, they've, had shark, they've had sharks come up the St. Lawrence, so there's no reason... You know, and who knows about what kind of water was in this lake system, yeah. you know, millions of years ago. True enough. Yeah, we might have still been attached to Asia that far back, the, the plates, you know? Yeah. Well, in a thousand years, if someone digs up, a, you know, excavates a site in Toronto, maybe they'll find a uh, Wasega's album. <laughs> They go, what? <laughs> what the heck is this? Yeah, what is this prehistoric uh, media? Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, where can people find you guys online? Um, I'm sure we can't go see your shows right now, but I, I imagine you keep a listing of it on your site normally. Yeah, so we're obviously Mark Mallon with Sega's. You can find us on Facebook, um, on Instagram. I'm with Sega underscore surf. Um, there's actual www.wasegas.com if you want to go to our website. That's got news there. And uh, you can buy T-shirts and CDs and LPs there. If you're into buying independent music, you'll know about Bandcamp. Bandcamp is uh, how to get independent bands. So we sell uh, all of our music on Bandcamp. I'm usually heading to the post office once a week to drop off records and CDs oh, okay. to someplace in the world. Yeah, you guys have really cool merch. I want a shirt for sure. Thanks. Well, you yeah. know, it's the the new ones, the Dance Party of Go Go shirts. I got the same day as the automotive show that nobody turned up to. Oh. so I'm <laughs> up on those. Yeah. The original shirts, the ones that have the skeletons with the surfboards. Yeah, we're running show. low on those. So if you want one, sh shoot me what your size you are, and I'll put one aside with your name on it, and I'll get it. Okay, later. nice, awesome. So that was, I mean, those were the first shirts. It was the second shirts we made, and I kind of wasn't thinking like, are are people going to come and see us? Are people going to be interested in us? I thought, you know what, I'm making a shirt design that even if they think the band sucks, they'll think the design is cool because then I can sell the shirt. Absolutely, yeah. So, and we're almost pulled out of those. I have people buying shirts before they've even heard the band. Really? Yeah, no, it's a super cool shirt. So, thanks, man. Yep. Yeah, you, so, you nailed it. Yeah, I tell you, like, I'm all about sales and branding. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> what if they hate the band? Well, they'll like the shirt because I know we have shirts of, of bands we don't really like, but the design was cool, you know? Yeah, true enough. All right, Mark, Mark Malibu, man. I say mahalo for coming on the show, dude. We'll talk to you again, but in the meantime, stay stoked. Woo! Right on. That's all for episode number 34 of Permastoke. I hope you all enjoyed listening or watching that one. 
Again, I want to say a big mahalo to Mark Malibu or Mark Sanders of Mark Malibu and Wasagas, not just for coming on the show, but for being such a great uh, role model, inspiration and supporter um, of me and others on their entrepreneurial journey. I think Mark is someone to really look up to and see how he scored and continues to score and just love life. You can connect with Mark online at thewasagas.com, on Instagram at wasagas underscore surf, and on Facebook and Twitter at wasagas underscore surf. Peace. to give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasegas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2019 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasegas. For more information visit www.wasegas.com. Mahalo to the Planet Smashers as well and Stomp Records for allowing us to play Surfing in Tofino off their 1999 album Life of the Party. You can visit them at www.stomprecords.com. And to the Scrapes, mahalo for providing Wait and See off your 2018 self-titled album, Scrapes. For more information on Scrapes, visit www.scrapesmusic.bandcamp.com. But of course, mahalo to all you great listeners out there. We are so thankful that you chose to join us for this episode. And we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are certainly on their way, but in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again by subscribing on the Alexa app, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever it is, man, that you get your podcast, we are there. So please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to share this with your friends and family over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. You can learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and check out our products and services at www.freshwatersurfgoods.com. You can even sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our surf sup and yoga schedules, and other exciting news. And hey, you can even find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all at freshwater surf goods but if you're a part of the surf or sup industry or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the great lakes and the canadian surf scene then join our facebook group the all canadian surf and sup club and as well if you've got an idea for a collaboration you'd like to recommend a future guest you'd like to invite me to an event or book me to teach surf sup or yoga or maybe you want to carry our products in your store or your company is interested in being a sponsor of this show, or for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek, D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time, Freshies, and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, keep surfing, and stay stoked.